the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Please, Mr. Postman. If I could sing, uh, I would sing out that tune by the Marvelettes and then the Beatles. Uh, both of them are good, by the way. I don't know which one. I think I like them both the same. But anyway, I can't sing, so I won't. Uh, but the post office and the postman, sorry, the mail carrier, uh, is in the are in the news a lot today. Um, the media, uh, the Democrats, I know they're the same thing. Uh, they're in a panic. They believe, or at least they want you to believe, that Donald Trump is about to shut down the post office. Not completely, just enough to steal the election in November. Uh, there were some pictures on Twitter today. Uh, one was of a mailbox. Uh, I guess there were uh, multiple pictures of mailboxes being picked up, you know, big mailboxes on the street corner being picked up and loaded into trucks, which is something that's done all the time when they get old and they meant it meant nothing. But everybody is this is part of what happens in a panic, which is what they're trying to create. So there was another one. My favorite was uh, there were some pictures on Twitter today of um uh, this went viral. Several mailboxes on a street uh, close to a curb. And, you know, the slots where you um, can drive up and then drop the mail into? Well, they had little metal strips across them, and they were blocked. You couldn't, you couldn't do it. And that just sent people into a frenzy. Even Taylor Swift, that guardian of American uh, freedom, uh, tweeted to her millions of followers that it was a case of Donald Trump try to sh- trying to shut down the election. Well, it turns out that those slots were locked because people have been fishing. That's when you get something on a hook or something, and you or sticky something, and you slide it down into the into the big mailbox, and you pull out something and look to see if there's any money in it. Uh, assuming anybody would be stupid enough to send money in the mail, but uh, that's what happens. So these slots were locked because people have been fishing through them and stealing mail. And if the person who took the pictures that went viral had gone around to the other side of the uh, mailbox, they would have seen that there were holes open for dropping letters into on the other side. So this this is a and this thing went viral. People were going insane over it uh, because they've the panic seed has been planted, and it, anything you throw out there is going to work. So that information was provided, by the way, uh, on the on the uh, mailboxes by a guy who lives in the neighborhood, saw somebody put it up on Twitter, went over and checked it out, and then tweeted himself that it was a big uh, nothing. It was a nothing burger. Now, one question nobody seems to be able to answer is how President Trump would be able to only prevent um, Democrat mail in vote, mail-in votes from making it to their destination. Uh, how's he going to determine that? Or would he just be stealing mailboxes in high Democrat neighborhoods? I don't know. After the break, we will talk to an expert on the post office who's going to tell you that it has many problems, and they are great, as Chuck Noll used to say. Coming up in our second half hour, I think we'll have an interesting discussion about college football. Some conferences are planning, planning to play. Uh, some are not. 
We're going to talk to Jerry Brewer. He's a columnist uh, for the Washington Post. He says, and this is the headline of his column, college football's con has been laid bare by the coronavirus crisis. We'll talk about college football players being paid. I don't think they should be. I think he does think they should be paid. That's coming up at 530. But coming up after the break, we will talk about the latest panic at the post office. Stick around. Hi, I'm Dennis Prager. Last year, I co-starred in a movie with Adam Carolla that warned you, my fellow Americans, about the current attack on free speech and free thought. It began in the universities, and I warned you, it would be coming to your neighborhood and your workplace. I had no idea how soon. We now have leaders in media, big tech, the law, business, and government who no longer believe in free speech or the principles of freedom and liberty our founders gave us. If you and your family want to understand what is happening in our world and know how you can fight back to protect the people you love, you must watch No Safe Spaces. I promise you a great movie. I use the word very carefully. Go to nosafespaces.com, learn the truth so you can defend your family and our country. Go to nosafespaces.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. Nosafespaces.com. Promo code Pittsburgh. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. How do you keep a biblical perspective in a pandemic accompanied by a mental health crisis? As COVID-19 has spread, prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications have nearly doubled. Yet in a world consumed by worry, God has a purpose for anxiety. And that's the subject of a timely new book, The End of Anxiety, The Biblical Prescription for Overcoming Fear, Worry, and Panic. Written by pastor and biblical counselor Josh Weidman, it offers his personal prescription with practical steps and biblical answers for coping with stress and deep Deepening trust and dependence on God. The End of Anxiety can help you find peace and joy in times of uncertainty, fear, and darkness. Our main goal as Christians is to glorify God in everything we do. And as the author opens his life and personal journey in this book, he shows how suffering, anxiety, and our mental battles can bring God the glory. The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Learn more at endofanxiety.com. Worried about deductibles and co-pays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Stoggerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything, co-pays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new Turbocharged Health Savings Account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. 
There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. The media and the Democrats have a new reason to panic. Actually, it's uh, to try to get voters to panic. It's the post office and uh, how Donald Trump is trying to shut it down in order to suppress the vote. Um, And we were uh, just ready to speak to someone about that, but uh, we lost them. So I'll have to uh, tap dance a little bit here. Uh, In case you haven't seen it, as I mentioned in the open, the... um, the uh, the country, the Democrats, as I should say, not the country, but the Democrats and their friends in the media are um, in a panic. And I, I, when I say they're in a panic, I probably, what I actually mean is that they are trying to get everybody else to panic. I don't know if they're panicking. I don't know what they would panic about, but they want they've seen an opportunity here and jumped on it. And um, it's that the post office is about to be somehow sabotaged, I guess is the word, by Donald Trump, um, and it's gonna—it's all uh, as a way of preventing you from being able to vote for who you want to vote for, or for your votes to be stolen, or uh, not for you, maybe. If you're listening to this show, there's a probably pretty good chance you're not going to vote for a Democrat, but, you know, I'm, there must be somebody out there who uh, wants to vote for a Democrat. Anyway, the, the, the old idea is that he would prevent... Uh, the post office from being able to deliver the the ballots and the uh the problem that the the post office is going to have is that it's going to have a a a huge barrage of ballots coming in at the same time that it may or may not be able to uh, handle and of course the question is going to be if you send in a, a ballot through the mail and on election day, Tuesday, November third, they count them up, and it's a close election, uh, and it's bound to be very close in some uh, the, some of the key states. Then what happens? Um, they can't count them, so we're going to have uh, two thousand all over again, minus the hanging chads. I, I don't know what would be the uh, the mail-in version of um, the hanging chad, but we we could have that and. Um, that's that's what the uh, Democrats and the media would like to have you believe is about to happen. Now, um, there's some question about whether or not that, that uh, Donald Trump's going to be able to, if anybody would be able to pull that off. Um, and I mentioned in the open that the, there are pictures on Twitter of mailboxes being picked up as if that's never happened before, and pictures of mailboxes with one uh, one side of the, the with the slots on one side locked. And people are panicking over that or trying to get you again, trying to get you to panic because you're supposed to think that that is um, somehow Donald Trump ordered the mailboxes to be locked. And it turns out to be ridiculous. They were open on the other side and they were locked because people were stealing mail out of them. Anyway, uh, maybe it's time to privatize the post office. 
David Ditch is a research associate at the Heritage Foundation. He's written about that, and he joins us now. David, thanks for being here. Sorry we dropped you out. Uh, you dropped off there for a second. Uh, who knows? But all that matters is that I'm here, and thank you for having me. Oh, good. <laughs> You're there. Uh, so, what do you make of the hysteria of the last few days? Um, the Postmaster General has now agreed, as of uh, earlier today, to testify in Congress next week. Is there any reason for anybody to panic about this? Oh, my gosh. I mean, when I started uh, looking into the Postal Service a couple months ago, I never dreamed that anything like this could be happening. And frankly, there is more nonsense than I thought would be humanly possible for people to come up with regarding the mail. But the fact is, there's nonsense. Uh, I have just finished drafting a piece that covers 10 different myths, not just things that we should disagree about, but out-and-out myths that people are spreading about the Postal Service. And you mentioned one of them just now, the idea that we're trying to lock these blue mailboxes, when in reality, it's designed to try to prevent thieves, and this is a practice that long predates the Trump administration. It's just, it's absolute nonsense. And I, I really hope that the Postmaster General... Um, is able to testify that, and that the members of Congress actually allow him to speak rather than talking over him, because I'm sure that he can help away a lot of the fears that are going around. That's right. That's a good point you bring up there. They bring people in to, to ask them questions, but many, t- as the case with Barr, uh, it was obvious they wanted to have him there, but they didn't want to hear his answers. They just wanted to be able to use it as an opportunity to badger him. I guess that's a possibility of that happening, too, isn't it? It absolutely is. I mean, so many members of Congress now view view these hearings as a platform and as a stage for messaging rather than as a serious fact-finding mission. If they yeah. really care about the Postal Service, they should want to hear what the Postmaster General has to say about some of the changes that he's been implementing. Now, when I look at what he says about these changes... He's trying to help right a sinking ship. The Postal Service is hemorrhaging cash, losing billions of dollars a year, and he wants to stop that. He wants to save the Postal Service, and in the process of doing that, he's, they're claiming that he's trying to sabotage it and steal the election, which, again, is absolute nonsense. Well, is it, I'm trying to figure out where this began. I mean, this thing just kind of popped up in the last week or so. Uh, and this, this, um, the, the whole mail, uh, mail by uh, uh, ballot by mail, vote by mail has been kind of uh, bubbling up, but just in the last week or so, all of a sudden, the 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 postmaster general is this evil guy who's not to be trusted. Uh, did they just come up with this in the last week or ten days? This has been bubbling up over the course of the year. The, back in March and April, they started talking about how we needed to give the Postal Service 25 or 50 or $75 billion in taxpayer money to help make sure it doesn't go bail, bankrupt. Then when it turned out that they aren't actually about to go bankrupt, they still kept asking for the bailout, even though the financials show that it's not necessary right now. Mm-hmm. And when I look at a lot of the talking points that are coming from the left, and I'm especially thinking of something I saw from uh, Hawaii Sender Shots, it's obvious that their goal is to take the Postal Service from something that 
for over 200 years has been self-supporting and changing into just another federal agency that employs thousands of bureaucrats, gives them cushy benefits, and drains billions of dollars a year off of taxpayers. Yeah, I um, I was never that never clear on uh, exactly how much the the post office. Everybody looks at it as a federal um, um, entity and a and a, a federal organization, but it's not fully supported by the federal government. How does that work? How does it break down? Well, historically, the Postal Service has been able to balance its costs and its revenues, and that's part of why, for instance, over time, the price of a stamp goes up because of inflation and other factors, the price of delivery goes up. Unfortunately, a lot of the costs, especially relating to the unionized postal employees, have absolutely skyrocketed. Um, uh, a heritage colleague of mine uh, calculated that a typical postal employee is receiving a total of over $97,000 a year in compensation. We're not talking about the CEO or the higher-ups. We're talking about the average postal employee, and there's hundreds of thousands of them. I'm not saying they don't deserve a good wage because they do good work and they work hard, but $97,000 is a very steep price, and it's well above the compensation levels of comparable uh, businesses like UPS or FedEx. Well, you, you, I don't want to, you to scoop your, your own column, but you mentioned you have 10 myths. you want to run a couple of them by us? Oh, my gosh. One of the ones I'm seeing everywhere is talking about how the Postal Service is, remo- is discontinuing, decommissioning sorting machines, and the idea is that that means the Postal Service won't be able to process the ballots that will be coming through in the fall. The reality is that mail volume has dropped by about half since 2001, and they don't need all of that infrastructure. That means the machines and the facilities and the, the employees that were necessary back in 2001 to handle that mail volume. We have the mail volume we have now, and we can start to shrink things. We can start to cut costs to help prevent the Postal Service from going bankrupt. And again, removing these sorting machines is a process that was going on way before Postmaster General DeJoy, way before President Trump even announced he was running for president. And this is just standard operating procedure, but because every little thing right now is under a microscope, it's being treated like a crisis. It's being treated like they're trying to steal the election. It's just the way things are operating, and frankly, it's common sense to me. We're talking to David Ditch of the Heritage Foundation, who's been looking into the post office. Um, what, what other things did you find that surprised you uh, as you looked into this? I mean, not everybody pays a lot of attention to the post office. I never even go to my mailbox. I, get, I almost get no mail. Oh, my gosh. I mean, another thing that I saw that, again, it, it absolutely makes my blood boil is that the Postal Service reached out to state and local governments and said that most of the time, if you're doing a mail-in ballot, you can use the cheaper second-class mail because most people are requesting their ballots weeks or months ahead of time, plenty of time for it to go through second class. But if some people are requesting their ballots maybe a week in advance or even four days in advance, which is a really tight window, 
that these governments might have to pay for first-class mail. Oh, my gosh, you might have to pay a whole 50 cents to get these people their ballots on time before the election. Again, common sense advice. And Democrats, like Minority Leader Schumer, blew this up and were claiming that the Postal Service is trying to extort state and local governments and saying that they were demanding that all ballots go through first-class mail, which is absolutely fake news. But they are trying to throw everything they can against the wall to see that something sticks. Well, uh, you in your piece that I saw uh, for the uh, um, at, at the uh, Heritage Foundation, you talked about privatization and the fact that um, you know that it's, it might be time to do that. And I think you said you, it looked like they were a couple of years away from actually going bankrupt. Um, yeah. What are the chances of privatization happening, and what would that mean? Um, from a from a political standpoint, if, if I had to put uh, you know put money on it, I don't think that it's that likely in the near future. Um, frankly, no Democrat who's elected would even consider it, which I think is unfortunate. I think we should be open to a wide range of solutions. Uh, what privatization look would look like to me is that first and foremost, they uh, Congress needs to pass reforms that would stem the bleeding. Postal Service is prevented from doing a whole bunch of things that would lower costs and get them into the black. And once the Postal Service is more or less on even financial footing, then we could start looking at following the model that countries like Germany and Great Britain, which, by the way, tend to be much more big government than even we are, but they have successfully privatized their postal services. We can look at the fact that all sorts of packages are delivered by companies like FedEx and UPS. It's not as though mail is some magical thing that only the government can do. We can take the existing postal infrastructure, find some way to privatize it, and turn it from being a liability that could potentially add hundreds of billions of dollars to the national debt and turn it into something that could be much more functional, much more efficient, much more cost-effective than the current government-run enterprise we have today. Yeah, I've always um, uh, given the post office credit. I, I mean, I know it's a typical government um, uh, waste, waste-ridden organization, uh, but... Uh, you know, to me, it's still kind of amazing. If you give somebody, here's you, a guy comes by your house, or a person comes by your house, you say, "Here, I have this letter. It's uh, here's fifty cents. Would you see to it that it gets to this person in California, uh, and it gets there?" I mean, it's, to me, it's still kind of amazing. You know that it, that, that it's that it's that cheap and it happens. A- absolutely. When I think about you, know, what are the most wasteful parts of the federal government? The postal service wouldn't even crack the top one hundred. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there isn't waste, and that doesn't mean there aren't things we can do to improve it. And instead, what the House Democrats are going to do this week is promote a giving the Postal Service a blank check, using it to try to paper over and ignore those long-term systemic problems, and just make the crisis get that much bigger and that much harder to fix down the line. 
I have about uh, 40 seconds left, and I'm up against a hard break. Uh, are the, what are the chances this election could turn into enough of a fiasco to make a privatization happen quicker and that things get really screwed up? Oh, my gosh, I really hope not, because it, if the election hinges on it, then I don't think there's any chance to have a level-headed conversation about the Postal Service. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate it, David. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. You too. That's David Ditch at the Heritage Foundation, and we will be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A hostage situation ending earlier today in Clear Lake, Texas. But a man and his mother exited a house where a day earlier three police officers had been shot and wounded. Two of the wounded officers treated and released, the third undergoing surgery. No details given on what started the incident and the man's name has not been released. California Utilities bringing back power over the weekend to thousands of customers. After a brief outage, the California system operator says the blackouts throughout the state caused by the failure of a power plant and the loss of wind power. More than 4,500 buildings remain threatened by a wildfire burning toward the Angeles National Forest. The lake fire in California just 12% contained now. On Wall Street, stocks finish mixed. The Dow lost 86 points. The Nasdaq gaining 110. This is SRN News. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. If anybody doubted how strong America is... Look at all we've been through in the past few months and understand why we're still standing. We're still standing because we believe in the bonds that bring us together. We believe in freedom and liberty. And we believe that after all we've been through, nothing can defeat us. So let's cheer as America gets ready to rebuild and remake our lives bigger, stronger, better than ever before. Keep it here to find out how. AM 1250, The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. 
For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Hey, John Steigerwald here. I'm just here to tell you how much I love my pillow and how it's changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. That's really amazing. Now, I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. Now it comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. And it's made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money back guarantee. Just go to mypillow.com. And save 30%. Use promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. When you do, Mike gives you two standard MyPillows free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800-716-8087. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the outbound Parkway East, we continue to see some volume delays. Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, about six minutes extra. Heavy inbound into the tunnel. Watch out for Burst Water Main, the Swiss Bale area, Braddock Avenue, right underneath the Parkway East. On 28, got some construction work. This is around Height Road, that's exit 12. Construction also on the south side, 15th Street shut down between Carson Street and Bingham Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. A mix of clouds and sun this afternoon with a shower or thunderstorm, high 80. Patch of clouds tonight, low 60. Some sun tomorrow, high 81. A few clouds tomorrow night, low 60. A shower or thunderstorm response in the morning. Otherwise, a mix of clouds and sunshine. High Wednesday, 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. It was the first day of pads at training camp for the Steelers over at Heinz Field. As of right now, Pitt is supposed to have a season because the ACC is planning on having one. Some conferences have canceled, including the Big Ten, which means, of course, no football for Penn State. So uh, how can it be safe for some players but not for others? Jerry Brewer wrote a column about that today for the Washington Post, the headline for which is College Football's Con Has Been Laid Bare by the Coronavirus Crisis. Jerry, you're there. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thanks for for being here again. No problem. So why is it safe to play in the SEC and the ACC, but not in the Big Ten or the Pac-12? <laughs> why is it safe to go to school in some places and not in yeah. others? Um, right. Th- this is America. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's America on a football field. There's no doubt about that. So the the uh, this is based on a heart condition that, that at least that's what the the the, the I think it was the Pac-12 who threw that out as a reason. Uh, they've developed, they've, they've, uh, discovered a heart condition possibly with people, athletes specifically who have, uh, gone through COVID-19. They've been infected with COVID-19 and then they're, they're concerned about the long-term effects of the, of it more so than just the, you know, the, 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 the virus spreading among the team. 
Yes, uh, myocarditis is is the name of it, and um, it, it it really spooked both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, and as uh, independently, and then also as they uh, thought thought together. Um, I think there's at least uh, it's been found in at least a dozen athletes. Uh, uh, um, excuse me, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's, it's such a, a rare condition, um, and it can be difficult to find as well. So, um, they looked at it and, and they said, look, if we're gonna, if, 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 if we're in the business of amateur sports, we have to protect our athletes differently than you would professional athletes who have a certain level of collective bargaining and representation in this matter, not to mention, yeah just outright money that they can spend at their discretion. So that is uh, the basis of their concern. Right now, the the doctors and and the other big five and the rest of the league that are wanting to proceed forward, they have either stated they they feel comfortable uh, with uh, what they know, or they would just like to, to move a little further down the road here to understand exactly what they're dealing with as far as that is concerned. You know, when I, when I saw that story, what popped into my head, uh, and I don't have anything to, to back it up, and you didn't mention it, obviously, in your column, but um, I, I just, for the heck of it, I, I Googled uh, anabolic steroid use and that, uh, and that condition, and uh, it can be caused by steroid use. Um, and and I, I just want, if you're dealing with college or pro football players, you're dealing with a huge percentage of players who use some form of PED, human growth hormone, um, or or some kind of anabolic steroid, and I, I just I just wonder if they uh, if they took that into consideration when they saw you know players pop up with that condition that it might not have been caused by COVID nineteen, but might have been caused by um, PEDs. Um, I am not certain on that. I, I, I don't think it's a can of worms that they want to open up at this point. Obviously. Um, however, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think all things are legitimate to think about, but um, there are parallels um, with that heart condition with people who are not in athletics. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, in, all, in all things, you know, it's a very nuanced thing. Um, so it could be a combination of both. Um, yep. However, it's it's safe to say that um, that this is a, uh, it is COVID nineteen linked in some way. Um, to what degree, uh, we aren't certain. And that uh, we, we just—it's amazing to me over the last five months how much we have learned. Um, and it starts to—I I think the branding of it as you know, a, a, a respiratory illness um, yeah. isn't exactly right. Uh, the branding of it, you know, if you wanted to, to, to call it a, you know, a, a, you know, a cardiac type illness, that's not exactly right either. It's just, uh, um, I'm sure if you're a medical expert, it's really this fascinating, agile disease. Um, and, I think ultimately that's where those doctors are coming from saying there's just so much that we don't know about this uh, that we need to err on the side of caution. So much of what you're learning um, in the country and within college football 
is about risk tolerance and how all of us view that differently. Yeah, you uh, you said you in your piece, uh, and we're talking to Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post. In your in your piece, um, you found some hip, what you consider to be hypocrisy in the Pac-12's reasoning for not playing. And I, again, I think that yes, was the heart and, condition part of it. That... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, I think it's uh, it. I think it's hard for college football, um, which is um, morally inadequate 90% of the time um, to try to defend itself based on just purely a moral argument. And uh, while while I am encouraged that there is still a level of humanity and concern and care there, um, I find it laughable that in this moment – you would try to present yourself as um, more responsible than the next person when I think they're motivated by a multitude of issues. Yeah, and, and uh, players in the Big Ten and Pac, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Big Ten and Pac-12 are talking about uh, unionizing, or is it the Big 12? I don't know. There's there's unionizing talk out there, isn't there? Yes, there has been um, some unionizing talk. I mean, it started with, uh, with Clemson and... Um, and it had spread. I, I, I think that uh, that's another thing that um, really spooked, uh, you know, both of the conferences that bowed out, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. It's interesting to me that they're the two conferences in which uh, the players had organized and had set terms for what they were going to do to play, um, terms that were going to be very difficult to come to a consensus to before the season started, and they decided to – go ahead and, and tap out. I mean, obviously there are concerns about COVID where we get that. And I think that's what the, uh, the, the medical advice and all of that played a role in. But it's interesting when you look at it and you say, okay, these are the two conferences that were really being threatened uh, by their players on setting the terms to play. And here are the other three conferences who haven't, and they have decided to continue on playing. And so you know, everyone wants to ha- answer that question why now? Why did they move so quickly when the other ones are willing to at least be uh, more patient? Uh, that is the why. That they didn't want to have this fight. They wanted to delay the fight, you know, arm themselves better for that fight against the players. But the problem in, in college sports is that's not going to go away now that the players are awakened. You can delay it, but that battle for exactly what major college athletics should be and in this mm-hmm. case, I'm talking about the high revenue sports of of uh, yeah. basketball and football. What they should be, that fight is going to continue um, even after we find a vaccine. We're talking to Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post. Uh, Jerry, why do the colleges uh, take most of, uh, if not all, the blame for exploiting football and basketball players by by not paying them? I mean, what about the NFL and NBA preventing players from playing because of age requirements? Um, it, you know, the NFL won't take a kid until three years after he graduates from high school. Uh, there's no minor league for him to go to. Hockey and baseball players uh, can come right out of high school and become professional athletes, but football and basketball players can't. That's not the college's fault. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you look at the system that is that is most limiting in that way, that we have always tied our athletics to education. And you're sort of looking at what is the main block. But yes, I mean, I would agree with you. I don't think that 
uh, you know, in general, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I was not drafted. Um, you know, my first job out of college was in Philadelphia. I had the right to choose it. I wasn't drafted to go to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Right. Um, and, and it's kind of the same thing with, with professional sports. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, that, that is where your current players' unions, um, it's not an issue that turns them on. They'd rather fight for other things. Um, a, a lot of things just kind of get caught up in our systems of America. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you could look at it and you could say, why are you just focusing on uh, colleges? Um, but, I mean, I think uh, when you look at it, I mean, the, the, the system that is college is just, so unfair and so hypocritical and so exploitative that you can't help but feast on that. And you just kind of wonder what would the world be like, the sports world, I mean, if you yeah. solved that piece of it. And that's, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard to dismantle, um, as we learn on a lot of levels, you know, whether it be um, police reform or something as trivial as this, um, that you're you're going to attack the thing that upsets you the most. Right. But in terms of like really fixing it, it is a multifaceted issue. You're right there. Yeah. And I, I mean, um, nobody, you know, down in Washington, you have lots of guys playing for the, the capitals and guys playing for the nationals. Um, nobody ever cared what their SA two score was. They didn't have to prove themselves academically. All they had to do was be good at their sport. And um, yeah. what's happened that you know a football player uh, has to be able to to uh, do math in order to to be a wide receiver or a quarterback? It, it, to me, that, that that's where the that's where there's something wrong. I you know it's it's the NFL should have its own minor league system. We, we, and we have all this great anecdotal evidence, right? That 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 shows you. Um, what athletics have done for people who have gone on to not be professional athletes. Um, just the fact, you know, I, I couldn't have afforded school or I wouldn't have had the discipline to go to school if not for that. All that yeah. anecdotal evidence, I think, is really powerful and it's really um, idyllic in, in nature. And that is, I think that propels people to think about it as opposed to um, the way that we're thinking about it. And so, um, I mean, you're talking about generations and generations of people oh, yeah. who thought about this the way, that way. And, I, I, and I, I agree with you. I think there should be um, a better minor league basketball system, which they, you know, they're trying to do. Um, and absolutely, there should be a minor league football system. And then what, uh, what's left over, you know, I mean, college athletics just doesn't become – uh, you know, as much as just this cash cow. And if you, and then if you really want it to be college athletics as the way that it is now, um, so be it. You know, I mean, the college baseball is still, um, you know, a, a very entertaining sport. It's not highly profitable or anything like that. It's still a very entertaining sport. So is college hockey. Even though a good percentage of guys go straight um, in college hockey as well. So uh, college tennis, you know, you keep you, you keep on going yeah. down down the list. Um so, yeah, it's, it's that system that uh, there was nothing else. And so the best of the best always had to come through you in this country. Um, that, that, is, that is the problem and how you fix it. I just think a lot of people are intellectually dishonest about it because 
there are so many great anecdotes that make you feel good about the system as opposed well, to looking at it for what it really is. And here, here's a question, Jerry, that I've never heard asked of people who think college players, football and basketball, that is, should be paid. If you start paying them, will there still be freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors if they are paid? Uh, that, that makes them professional athletes. If, they're, if you're going to be paying them, why should they be limited to only playing for four years? Most of the kids, uh, no matter how no matter where you go, it's a very, very small percentage of the kids playing college football right now who are going to make it to the NFL. So why should they have to stay there only four years if they're being paid? Why couldn't a kid go to um, to Ohio State and play till he's 28 or 30 years old? What, if it's not going to be based on the fact that you are a college student, then why should it be tied to four years? Well, um, I think that's where, you know, I'm not in favor of just straight up, you know, let's do this like the pros do it and let's hand them a lot of cash as a function of the revenue that we make Um, for for that reason. um, I I think there are more creative ways that you could do it and you could still maintain the integrity of, uh, you know, what you want college athletics to be similar to, uh, how you allow uh, certain sponsorships for Olympic athletes, but they're still, um, you know, technically, you know, enough to be able to compete on the Stanford swim team or whatever. I, I mean, I think you have to think about, you know, how you're going to, to compensate them. It doesn't, and I mean, you don't want to like put it in just straight compensation so that it turns into just this massive tax issue as well. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of unintended consequences that would come about if you just said, okay, um, you know, we're going to make this like it's a job. Um, so uh, that's why I wouldn't be in favor of just uh, straight doing it that way. And I, and I think, um, you know, just the same, you know, going back to one of your original points, um, that's where uh, these things can't exist in their own vacuums. Um, it has to, it has to be a collective effort. I mean, football, NFL, high school and college, they all got to come together and work on a system that would work for everyone that, that would not have as many unintended consequences, same for basketball, uh, and other sports, but instead they, they like to look at it like they're in competition with each other. And, uh, that's incredibly unfortunate, but, um, that day, this day is coming cause I just, it, uh, I feel like there is an awakening right now, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think that people are going to go to sleep easily. And as as uh, as much as like the current um, college athletes are starting to push for this, think about the impressions that are being made in the next crop. Well, you know, the, guy, the, yeah. the high school high school seniors and high school juniors and um, it's it's not going to be this this uh um just this uh no no uh for you to have these thoughts anymore. And so what hey, Jerry, comes of it beyond this is interesting. Hey Jerry, I, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you doing a great column today at the at the Washington Post. Jerry Brewer, thanks again for coming on. Anytime. Appreciate it. Okay. You. Okay, we'll be right back.
Uncle Tom is a movie that leftist Democrats don't want you to see, which, of course, is one big reason why you should want to see it. Uh, Uncle Tom stars Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, and Brandon Tatum. Now, they all share three things in common. They're courageous, they had a life-changing experience, and they are black conservative Americans. Something else they have in common? Their voices are the ones the leftists don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. It's their stories of how their lives were changed when they finally figured out the truth. It's the story of black conservatives in their own voice. You can see Uncle Tom now on pay-per-view. Just go to UncleTom.com and download it. The stories that these courageous people have to tell will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. It's a story of redemption and hope. It's the story of America's black conservatives, and it's the truth. See Uncle Tom now. Just go to UncleTom.com. Here are the facts. Your business needs leads and sales. There are potential customers online right now looking for what you do. Will they find you or your competitor? You need Salem Surround. Having to do your own digital marketing while trying to manage your business, well, there's just not enough time in the day. You need Salem Surround. You're doing all you can to market your business, but are you sure you have the right strategy or seeing a great return on investment? You need Salem Surround. The marketing team here at Salem Surround is ready to help your business now. We'll design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies, using everything in our toolkit to work for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience-engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining, and bloating again and again. No way. Maybe it's occasional constipation. Maybe it's not. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com, sponsored by Allergan and Ironwood. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So as rise of right now, we're going to have uh, uh, some kind of a football season around here. We don't know about high school yet. The PIAA is still trying to figure it out. As I mentioned on Friday on our last show, we had a guy on who um, is from um, Salt Lake City, and they had high school football out there. But uh, I mentioned this with Jerry Brewer, and I just want to say it again. Uh, and he didn't he didn't uh, seem to address it, but. These people who want to play high school or have play football players in college, they're basing that on it being a college where you have a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. If I'm if I'm a player in college and they're paying me, say I'm making forty thousand dollars a year, uh, but I'm not good enough to get in the NFL. Why do I need to leave college? I'm not really a student. 
Uh, just, I, I think I'll stay here for a while. I'll play till uh, they run me off, just like if I were a pro. Because if they pay you to play a sport, guess what you are? You are a professional athlete. And it has nothing to do with you being in college. Nothing. So stay there for eight years, ten years. Who cares? See how that works out. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.